Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. We arrived here in Canada at the end of May last year after God had called us from ministry in the UK to come and plant a church here on the west coast we're working towards that as caleb's just said so we're going to be planting into the south surrey area into grandview heights hopefully um and just we love this house so we've been welcomed into this house into this church family uh, and we connected with pastor craig and shanda through uh, jacob who was part of the worship team this morning and uh, Pastor Carly, who heads up the kids' ministry here. And uh, we've just really appreciated the welcome, the reception that we've had here, the way that you guys have loved and supported us. And I know Pastor Craig and Chandra are away, but I wanted to honor them this morning because they really have made a way for us to be here. And uh, more than that, they have loved and supported Sarah and I on our journey. And Craig has taken this bold step of trusting me to preach this morning when he's not even here to check what I'm saying. Um, so you've got to honor someone who is willing to take that kind of risk. Um, we are in week three of this series, One Another. We've kind of recognized over the last couple of weeks that uh, there's a social discourse in our culture that has become increasingly toxic. Uh, the political tone, whether it's from the politicians or just those things that we express online ourselves when we hold a particular political belief can sometimes actually vent, uh, venture towards being quite hateful to one another. Uh, social media for some people has become an outlet where things get expressed that you, they wouldn't necessarily express face to face with someone. Now we've come from the UK and this was happening a lot uh, during the Brexit process. There was a lot of this kind of political discourse and hatred being expressed even within those within the church. And our society is just heading in this way where families are struggling, marriages are struggling, individuals are struggling. One of the things that we've become aware of as we've come over here and kind of looked into the culture and specifically as we've looked into uh, the Metro Vancouver area, the Surrey area, and more specifically diving into South Surrey, is that there's some shocking statistics, and we've heard some of these before, but social isolation, this, this worries me. Like half of the population, 46% of our local population, struggle with loneliness. It's like if you were to look around this room, that would be half of us that actually were struggling with that sense of feeling lonely. Anxiety and depression, there's almost a quarter of our young adults 23% have been diagnosed with anxiety, 18% have been diagnosed with depression. We're not just talking about people who feel these things, these are people who have actually formally been diagnosed. Two thirds of those carrying debt would identify as feeling hopeless as a result of their financial circumstances. And one of the things that we say is that we just don't believe it has to be this way. This is not God's intent. Jesus offers us a better way and he calls us to a better way. And it's the power of Jesus living in us that makes the difference and makes this possible for us to live a better way and to live better together. We've looked at this verse the last couple of weeks, but just 
After his last meal with his disciples, before he was arrested and crucified, Jesus said this to his friends, his followers. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, Jesus is trying to communicate something when he's saying the same thing. And if you didn't pick it up, he's telling us that we have to love one another. There's something in that phrase that is truly important that Jesus wants to communicate and he wants us to understand. His intent is that we should be marked by our love for one another, not our hatred for one another, not our disagreement with one another. We're not to be marked by our anxiety or our depression or our social isolation or our sense of hopelessness. We are to be marked by our love for one another. If you've not uh, been here the last two weeks, I would encourage you to listen back. Craig has given us some incredible teaching over these last two weeks, and you can catch up on that by going to horizonfam.ca and clicking on the link that says podcast. But those words, one another, in English, we have two words. In Greek, it is just one word, aleleon. It's used a hundred times in the New Testament. 47 of the 94 verses in which those 100, occasion, 100 times that the word is used, 47 of them give us instructions as believers. We are to love one another. We are to serve one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to accept one another. We are to forgive one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to be hospitable to one another. We are not to envy one another. We are not to criticize one another and grumble among each other and to complain against one another. We're not to judge one another. We're not to lie to one another. We're not to deprive one another of physical intimacy if you're husband and wife. A third of the votes of the verses uh, focus on our unity of how we are to relate to one another and how we are to be united with one another. A third of the verses focus specifically on how we are to love one another. And we've been looking these last couple of weeks at a verse from Colossians 3, from verse 12, where Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is a verse that speaks to one of the ways, or some of the ways, I guess, that we are to love one another. Because he goes on, bear with each other and forgive one another, over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Last week, we looked at those first two elements of clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness. Today, we're going to look at this third one of how we clothe ourselves with humility and what it means to clothe ourselves with humility. A sixth of the verses in the New Testament where that word comes up, that one another word, tell us to either practice one another, um, not to practice one another, to practice humility, or they tell us how to practice humility. So we're going to look at some of those verses this morning, but first let's just uh, pray and ask God to be present with us as we uh, look at these verses this morning. So Father, we ask that you would just come and open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you want to say this morning. That Father, we would learn this better way of living. That we would learn your heart 
And so our own lives would be changed and the lives of those around us would be changed as we learn this way of humility. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought I'd start by uh, sharing a couple of stories. Just after we arrived uh, last, well, I guess it was at the beginning of the summer, we uh, got involved straight in the kids' camps and following that uh, in the Horizon Youth Camp. And there was a couple of things that I will, I think, always remember from the youth camp last year. Uh, it was probably a lot more than two, but I'm just going to share two of them this morning. One of them was um, the battalion games. And I think it was the battalion games on day one. Uh, so just to put that into context, everyone that attended the youth camp was divided into one of four battalions uh, via different colors. And I think it was the very first day we had this incredibly physical battalion game where the battalions went against one another. So it started by um, us having to dive through a paddling pool filled with ice water. We went and had to climb over an eight-foot wall, which for some was climbing, for some it was being thrown. Um, but one way or another, we would to get, people, get our battalion over that wall. Uh, various things progressed. We were commando crawling under makeshift army nets, running around this campus just in like crazy loons in this attempt to win, I don't even know what, points, prizes, who knows. And I have to admit, I, I kind of stood there initially thinking, oh, this is just not what I want to be doing. But I've kind of signed up to this and I've got to make a good impression. We're new here. Um, but there was also this sense of, um, what, what some might call competitiveness. You know, there's, there's a little bit of me that is competitive uh, where I don't want to lose. Uh, it could be put that I don't want to be beaten, um, that, that that kind of kicked in. But the reality was for our battalion where there's quite a number of people trying to do this, although I wanted to be at the front pushing ahead, I knew that there were people in our battalion that were struggling uh, with that physical nature of it. And so I chose to stay at the back and just to encourage and check that those few were okay and to keep our team together. That, that was one of my better moments. Um, a few days later is the second story where my competitive nature wasn't quite so gracious. Uh, this time it was a night game and yeah, you know where this is headed. So in this particular night game, it wasn't battalion against battalion. It was, it was the youth against the team, the adults. And uh, in my grace, I decided there was no way a teenager was going to get past me. And unfortunately, my body took off faster than my feet at one point. And I, it felt like a cartoon moment where my feet were like just racing, desperately trying to get some kind of grip on the ground, but my body was just kind of, it just projected off the ground far faster than I could actually carry myself. And it ended up with me taking quite a hard fall, and I partially dislocated my shoulder, which wasn't great because I was supposed to be playing keyboard as part of the worship team, and the following morning I was like, oh, that's not happening. And I kind of put myself out for the rest of the youth camp, which wasn't great. Um, and people showed far more grace to me than I had shown in that particular situation. Now, the reason I share these stories is because in that first story, 
I, I think I demonstrated a certain amount of humility by, um, and I'm not saying this to make myself proud, I'm just trying to draw a distinction between humility and pride here. Okay, but I think what I would say is that in that first instance, I put others above myself. I put others above um, my own desire to win because I just checked. So that was kind of an example of humility. But in that second example, I probably gave a fairly good example of what it means to be proud and to let my pride get the better of me. Uh, there's a phrase, you may know it, pride goes before a fall. Uh, that is exactly what happened. Um, my pride went before my fall. And uh, there's actually a Bible verse that speaks to that. It's Proverbs 16:18 that says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, the New International Reader's Version puts it far more simply. It says, if you are proud, you will fall. <laughs> so testimony right here, that is true. You know, that happens. Um, the Passion Translation actually puts it this way. It says, the higher you lift yourself in pride, the harder you'll fall. Um, I'm not going to dwell on that version too much, but I think my pride was pretty high at that point because it was a hard fall. Now, I know that as I stand here, I'm sharing things that none of you would ever do. None of you would ever get competitive and act in such a foolish way that you would let your competitive nature get the better of yourselves or you would put yourself before anyone else. So I'm just going to have to relate on to rely on my own stories this morning. I know that that's just the case. But it's not the case, is it? Because the reality is we all have pride within us. This is a reality for each and every one of us. There's something within us that wells up either occasionally or more often for some of us where we want to put ourselves first. We want some kind of recognition. We don't want to fall behind or we just take this attitude of, I can do this myself, thank you very much. No, I don't need your help. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I don't need your help because I'm going to get through this myself. And that's just pride within us welling up. You see, pride... Um, it's defined by the Oxford Dictionary as this feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from your own achievement. And that's what all of us want at some point, is some kind of recognition or satisfaction that comes from knowing we've managed to do this ourselves. That's something that is within us. And when my competitive nature kicked in during that night game, that was pride. The biblical idea of pride... Uh, would agree with that, but it's also about how we conduct ourselves. Biblically, pride is about when we shift our confidence from our, sorry, from God to ourselves. We think we can do this on our own. So when my competitive nature kicked in, thinking, you know what, I may be forty, I was then, um, I may be forty, but I can still beat these teenagers. You know, my body's still got something in it that can do this. I can prove myself. That was pride through and through. Whereas putting the confidence on myself, I shouldn't have done clearly, but I did. Humility is the exact opposite. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as a modest or low view of one's own importance. And that's sometimes how we think of humility. But the biblical idea um, is more that we live in complete dependence on Jesus rather than in dependence on ourselves. So we are dependent on God, not ourselves. We are dependent on Jesus, not ourselves. It's a shift of where we put our dependence. What we see in the Bible is that humility is not thinking of yourself less. Sorry, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. 
Okay, let me say that again because I got it wrong the first time. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's about seeing yourself as you truly are, but in relationship to seeing Jesus as he truly is. See, it's not about demeaning yourself, pulling yourself down. That would be false humility. Biblical humility is about seeing yourself as you truly are, but seeing yourself in relationship to who Jesus truly is. You see, Jesus modeled humility perfectly for us. Paul, this guy who began as an enemy of Jesus, really, had his life turned around through an encounter with Jesus. And he ended up writing this in his letter to the church in Philippi. He said, in your relationships with one another, there's that phrase again, one another. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You see, Jesus knew who he was, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus humbled himself. In Paul's words from Colossians 3 that we looked at a moment ago, Jesus clothed himself with humility. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. You see, Jesus had power over death because in Jesus is life. But he became obedient. He made himself obedient to death. He humbled himself. Now, why would he do that? Well, very simply, it's what we've been singing about this morning. He made himself obedient to death in order to serve us. He took the nature of a servant, right? And he served us by saving us from the power of sin. He serves us by saving us from eternal separation from God the Father. He served us in that act by saving us from the things that hold us captive. He served us to call us out of death and into life, out of captivity into freedom, out of sorrow into joy, out of anxiety and depression, into peace, out of loneliness and despair, into a community and a family of God. You see, his perfect example of humility was Jesus dying on a cross to take the punishment for our wrongdoing. And he shows us that humility is not about serving ourselves, but about serving others. And here's our bottom line for today. The one thing I want you to remember, chosen people choose people over pride. Chosen people choose to put other people over our own pride. Paul wrote, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Chosen people choose others above ourselves. We put others first. We love one another. We serve one another. We show compassion and humility to one another, kindness to one another. We show gentleness and patience towards one another. As God's chosen people, we choose people over pride. And we choose, we need to choose to clothe ourselves with humility. One of Jesus' uh, friends, a guy called Peter, he was originally a fisherman that Jesus called to follow him. 
later became a church leader and apostle. He wrote this. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. It's that same phrase. We need to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. And he gives us this reason because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, we're going to get to that because in a moment. But first, I just want to point out this. Both Paul and Peter tell us that we are to clothe ourselves. We need to put on humility as though we were dressing ourselves. Literally, the imagery in the Greek is of a servant putting on an apron ready to serve, ready to do his task that is at hand. It's like if you're going to a construction site, you probably want to put steel-capped boots on. If you're heading into the office, you might put a suit on. If you're uh, going to the gym, you put on whatever you would wear to the gym. Um, If, you know, you put on the green apron if you're a Starbucks barista, right? You, You dress appropriately for the task, and that's this imagery here, is that we need to, if we're to treat one another the right way, then we have to dress the right way to do that. We need to put on humility, to clothe ourselves with humility. There's this implication that the reason we need to do this as an active thing is because we don't find ourselves naturally dressed in humility. So we have to put humility on. You know, as a parent, there's times when I know I should be more understanding of my kids, but when I wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of, Daddy, 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 like some incessant alarm that's going off down the corridor. My first thought is not for that particular child, it's the fact that I've just been woken from my nice sleep. As a driver, you you may have had one of these occasions, you're driving and someone comes up in your rearview mirror really fast, sits on your tail at some unsafe distance, like they can't actually read your license plate, and then they swerve around you and cut in front without a signal or a thank you, and then they shoot off. And, and in those situations, my first thought isn't, God bless that driver. <laughs> you know, we are not naturally dressed in humility because our first thought is often for ourselves. It's based in ourselves. It's based in the flesh. And so we have to choose to put on humility, to clothe ourselves with humility, because it's not something that we're naturally dressed in. Pastor Craig has said this before, our response is our responsibility. We have to choose to put on humility. But Peter gives us this great reason why in that verse. He says, because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He's, Peter in this verse is quoting an old proverb. You can find it in Proverbs 3, verse 34. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble in other translations. Excuse me. He gives grace to the humble. You see, throughout the Bible, pride is always working against us. We're told that after King Uzziah, who was the king of Judah, became powerful, the Bible literally says his pride led to his downfall. Similarly, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, God raised him to sovereignty. God raised him to greatness. But the Bible tells us that he became arrogant. He hardened his, He was hardened with pride, and he subsequently lost his throne. Pride brings disgrace. It tells us in Proverbs 11. In Proverbs 13, it tells us that pride leads to conflict. In Proverbs 16, it tells us that pride leads to our destruction. And in Jeremiah 49, it tells us that pride actually deceives us. We can be deceived and start to believe the wrong things 
when our pride gets the better of us. But on the other hand, let's have a look at humility. Humility is to our benefit. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. The Bible tells us that he exalts the humble, that he blesses the humble, that he rewards the humble. He rewards the humble with wisdom in Proverbs 11. He rewards the humble with riches and honor and life, Proverbs 22 verse 4. It tells us that God delivers the humble from despair. And the amazing thing here is that King Josiah was a righteous ruler, but he humbled himself and was spared disaster. King Ahab was a wicked ruler, but he humbled himself and God spared him the disaster. The people of Israel were spared disaster as they were called to humble themselves. Second Chronicles 30, this edict was issued to them saying, return to the Lord. Do not be like your parents and fellow Israelites who were unfaithful to the Lord. Do not be stiff necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. And if you return to the Lord, you and your children will be shown compassion for the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. There was this call for them to humble themselves, for them to clothe themselves with humility. But with the call came this promise that if they were to do that they would be spared disaster now i believe there's someone here that actually that the reason i wanted to read those verses is because when i was preparing i felt that god was saying there is someone here this morning that god wants to issue that edict too where god wants to say would you return to me would you submit to me once again Maybe you have known him before, you've been in relationship with him before, but you've turned your back on him. And now you're facing something where you need to be spared the disaster. You need to know his love. You need to know his grace. You need to know his compassion. And he says, if you return to me, I will not turn my face from you. You see, God's promise is always that he will bless those who humble themselves. Always. So we're called to clothe ourselves with humility. But here's the thing, humility is not, it's not something we accessorize with. God doesn't ask us to kind of access our spirituality or to accessorize our spirituality, to accessorize our faith by, you know, this token gesture of humility of however you might accessorize yourself. I'm a guy, I don't understand these things. But humility is a call to clothe ourselves in completeness. In Ephesians 4 verse 2, Paul wrote this. He said, I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble. And that word completely literally means in every part, in every way, in totality. It's not just this little thing that you're adding on. Clothe yourselves completely in every way, in every way you can possibly be. Every part of you is to be humble. It says, be completely humble and gentle, which is actually a call for us to reflect Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew quotes Jesus as saying this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You see, when we're called to be completely humble and gentle, it's just we're called to reflect our Lord and our Savior. We're called to reflect Jesus. We're called to learn from him, as Jesus put it, 
to be gentle and humble in hearts, to have it within our heart, to have it within us. That it doesn't just become this clothing that we put on the outside, but it becomes something that is at our very core within our heart. And who wouldn't want Jesus' promise that when we learn from him and when we walk in his way, we find rest for our souls? Who of you and who of your friends would not want rest for your souls? And the way to that, the key to that, is to learn from Jesus. The best way for us to learn how to live life, the best person to learn from when it comes to clothing ourselves in humility, the best example of how we can live life in a way that can truly transform us and those around us, that can truly transform our lives, our relationships, our outlook, can transform our culture, can transform our nation. The best example of how to do that is Jesus. The Jesus way is truly transformative. The Jesus life is a truly transformative life. So following Jesus' example, we, we learn to clothe ourselves with humility. We learn this way of being gentle and humble in heart. We must determine to be completely humble. And like Jesus, when we learn his way, we learn to consider ourselves nothing, to humble ourselves, to take the nature of a servant in order to love one another as he has loved us. You see that passage in Philippians that talks about Jesus taking that nature of a servant and saying that in our relationships with one another, we should have the same mindset as Christ. Just before that, Paul wrote this. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You see, if we value ourselves above others, that's pride. If we always are looking to our own interests rather than to the interests of others, that's pride. And God opposes the proud but he shows favor and gives grace to the humble. And so humility is where we value others above ourselves. We look to the interests of others above our own interests. Those of us who are competitive, there are times we need to wait at the back to sacrifice a win for the sake of the one. We need to put others before ourselves. Those of us who are too busy to get involved in serving, there are times we need to just rethink our calendars very practically. If you're too busy to serve, rethink your calendar because we need to value others above ourselves. We need to value that opportunity of someone else having an encounter with God and seeing their life changed and transformed, finding new life in Jesus. And that's exactly what we're doing when we're serving. Whatever the, the role is, we are providing opportunities for others to come in and encounter God. We're providing opportunities for others to come in and have their lives changed by a touch of God. Chosen people choose people over pride. We choose to make other people our priority. 
Humility is valuing others above ourselves and putting others' interests before our own. Now, I think it was our last teaching series, perhaps you can confirm, was adulting. Yeah, so it was the, the teaching series just prior to this one was adulting, which was about ancient wisdom for a modern world. And there's an element when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, surely that's what the Bible is. <laughs> Every bit of teaching that we do is ancient wisdom for a modern world. But I want to wrap up uh, this teaching on humility by th thinking about some of the practical ways in which uh, we can clothe ourselves with humility. Because it's okay to talk about this in an abstract way. We clothe ourselves with humility. But let's think about some of the practical ways that we can do this. What does it look like to live a humble life? What does it look like to lead a humble life? Romans 12 uh, in the New Living Translation puts it this way. Just don't think that you're better than you are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Again, it's not about demeaning ourselves, but let's just, I think the NIV says, just think of yourself with sober judgment. Just recognize who you are. Don't try and project yourself as being something above that, but don't tear yourself down either. Humility, see yourself as you are, but again, you need to see yourself as you are, but see Jesus as who he is. Proverbs 27 verse 2 speaks to that. In the message version, it says this, don't call attention to yourself. Let others do that for you. Now, that's kind of hard, uh, particularly for some of the younger crowd in a world that says that what we should be doing with our phones is self-promotion through social media. That, that's what culture teaches us now. We have, culture is teaching us that actually we need to self-promote ourselves. We need to put ourselves out there. People need to know what's going on in our lives. We need to project the best version of ourselves. But actually, there's a challenge in this that humility is recognizing who we are and allowing other people to affirm us and encourage us. And that's what we should be doing as a body. We should be encouraging one another. but some more practical outworkings of what humility looks like, and we'll get some verses up for this. Romans 12 verse 10 says that we are to be devoted to one another. That uh, idea of devotion here is that actually we should treat one another in exactly the same way that we would treat family members in a good family dynamic. So this isn't about treating people as friends or acquaintances, but this is about within the body of Christ, within the church, we treat each other as though they were our own family. We treat someone as if they were our own brother or sister or mother or father or son or daughter. That's what it means to be devoted, is this sense of family and family devotion. Romans 12 verse 16, a few verses later, says that we should live in harmony with one another. A couple of verses later, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace, live at peace with everyone. Hebrews 12, 14 says something similar. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. So humility looks like being devoted, treating other people as if they were our own family. Humility is when as far as we possibly can, we live at peace with each other. We don't enter into arguments. We don't enter into complaints and grumbling with one another. But we choose the way of peace every time. Proverbs 11:12 perhaps speaks to that as well. Um, it, the Passion Translation says it this way, bite your tongue, keep quiet, be wise, and keep quiet. You see, there are times when humility is practiced, when we know we have something to say, but 
Humility is actually choosing not to say that. There are times it is best for us to be wise and to keep quiet. James put it this way, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Humility is when we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what Ephesians 5.21 says, we should submit to one another. And the image there is almost like this military ranking where we choose to rank ourselves under other people. We choose the lower rank. We submit to other people in order to serve them. That is humility. We value others above ourselves. And we serve one another humbly in love, which is what Galatians 5.13 says. We always choose to serve others. Do you, do you hear what is going on in each of these? We be devoted to one another. It's about how we prefer other people. We live in harmony with one another. We choose a way of peace, preferring other people. We be wise and keep quiet, preferring other people. We submit to one another, preferring other people. We serve one another, preferring other people. Chosen people are always going to choose other people over their own pride. That's what humility looks like. That's how it practically gets outworked in our lives. And that sense of serving at the end, Jesus again is the perfect model for this. Before he gave that new commandment that we are to love one another as he loved us, he actually got down from the table where they were eating. He got down and he started washing his disciples' feet. And bear in mind, this was a culture where his disciples' feet would have been covered in all sorts of stuff that you do not want to be washing off other people's feet, regardless of how you feel about feet. Like, I'm not a fan. But, but here's the thing. He got down from the table and he washed their feet and he cleaned their feet. That's exactly what a servant should have done. But he was the one hosting this meal, their teacher, their rabbi, and he got down from the table. He took the very nature of a servant. He washed their feet. And then he said to them, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, what he wasn't saying was, I've just done a really bad job and you now need to do it a second time. Like, that's not what he's saying, okay? I'm pretty sure that when Jesus did something, he did it to the best of his ability, and it would have been great. But he goes on, and he says this, you should wash one another's feet, because I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You should do as I have done for you. And then he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know this, You'll be blessed if you do it. Now that you've heard about clothing yourselves with humility, you'll be blessed if you do it. James put it this way, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Clothe yourselves with humility. And James echoed that same essence of what Jesus said, because he said that those who see the way of Jesus and then live the way of Jesus will be blessed in all they do. If we see the way to live, if we see that this is a better way than the way of pride, and then if we live this way, we will be blessed in all we do.
And this is really where I want to just wrap things up. You see, we started by acknowledging that the way of the world is already heading in the wrong direction. There's hateful discourse, there's fractured relationships, there's social isolation, there's anxiety and depression, there's hopelessness. Like, it doesn't take much to see that the way of the world is not working for us. But Jesus offers us a better way, and he calls us to a better way. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The real question for us is, will we walk in his way? Will we walk this path of loving one another? Will we walk this path of following his example? Will we walk this path of serving one another, of valuing others above ourselves and clothing ourselves with humility? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and he shows favor to the humble. He exalts the humble. He blesses the humble. He rewards the humble. He delivers the humble. These are his promises in his word. But I just want to take a moment because it's easy for us to think about what humility does for us and how it benefits us, how it benefits me, for me to be humble. But just take a moment. Would you imagine for a moment if we truly loved one another as Jesus loved us, if we truly laid down our lives for the sake of each other, if all of us were doing this for one another, imagine what that would do. Imagine the impact of that. Imagine what it would say to those outside the church. Imagine how they would respond. Or how they might respond if they became a recipient of the kind of love that we're talking about. Imagine how the one who has received hateful comments somewhere could be healed through an experience of a loving community that genuinely loves them and is devoted to them. Imagine how the one whose relationship is falling apart might feel and how their relationship might be restored as people gather around them to lift them up, to love them and support them through that. Imagine the impact on a child whose parents are struggling, where the relationship is heading towards divorce, but because of the way the church gathers around and loves them, and serves them, values them above themselves, puts the interest of that family above their own interests. Imagine the impact that would have on that child's life. Imagine how one who is struggling with anxiety and depression could find themselves healed and set free because someone took the time to meet them and pray with them regularly, refusing to give up on them until that person was set free. The reason I'm choking up is because that's my story. There were some people within church that chose to value me above themselves, chose to give me their time to see me healed and set free. 
to find fullness of life in Jesus. You see, this way of humility is transforming not only for us when we are humble, but it's transforming for those we serve and for those we love when we humble ourselves. And it's transforming for our culture as people are transformed because the way of Jesus is a better way. This would be a great time to get the band back up. I'm just going to wrap it up and bring this to a close because I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to this. If you want to be clothed with humility, if you want to see your life and the lives of those around you, if you want to see our culture transformed because we choose to clothe ourselves with humility and to live the way of Jesus, I want to give an opportunity to respond because Jesus is the perfect example of how to be humble, but he's also the power to be humble. You see, we can't do this on our own and we were never intended to be able to do it on our own because if we did it on our own and could do it on our own, that would just lead to pride. I can do this on my own, thanks God. Humility is where we are dependent on him and we need him because to be completely humble, we need Jesus. We need his power within us. So I want to pray for those of us who know that we need that help, who know that we need his power to help us live in humility, his power to live that life that he set the example of. But before they, we do that, I just want to say this, we can only receive his power when we've received him. And so before I get on to praying for all of us, I want to give an opportunity, if there's anyone here who has not received Jesus into your life before. Now might be the time for that. Now's a great time for that. And I want to give you that opportunity. So out of respect for one another, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? The Bible tells us that all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of his standard. It tells us that if we claim to be without sin, if we claim that we've never done anything wrong, that we're deceiving ourselves. But it also tells us that there's hope because if we confess our sins, God is faithful, he's just. He promises to forgive us of our sins and our wrongdoings. He promises to cleanse us and purify us. And the Bible says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to give an opportunity just to respond to that this morning. If you recognize the wrongdoing in your life, if you recognize your need for forgiveness, your need for healing, if you are ready to recognize Jesus for who he is, if you're ready to receive him as Lord and Savior, would you just raise a hand so that I can pray for you? Great, I see you. Thank you. Thank you, I see you too. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to lead us in a prayer in a moment. Thank you. Okay, still with your heads bowed and eyes closed, 
there was that call this morning that went out that if you need to return to God, you have known him before, but if you need to return to submit to him, to know his grace and compassion, if that was a word for you this morning, would you raise a hand so I can pray for you as well? Thank you. Great, so what we're going to do is I'm going to lead us in a prayer for us to be able to respond to God and to come back to God. But I'd like, as we often do, for all of us to say this together so no one feels singled out, okay? So if you just repeat after me, Father God, I confess that I've done wrong. I choose to turn away from my sin. I choose to turn to you. I believe Jesus paid the price for my sin. I believe he rose again to give me new life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive Jesus as Lord, and I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. Amen. Now, can we just celebrate church because there were three or four people who we've just welcomed into the family of God. And for those of you who, for those of you who did that, for those of you who responded, we are just thrilled. We, we love you. You're welcome here. And we, we just want to invite you into the family here. I'd encourage you to tell someone that you came with, tell a member of the team. And if you would, if you'd just log on to horizonfam.ca, click on connect and let us know that you made that decision this morning. We want to help you and just set you up right. And there's some next steps that you can take. But the first of that would be just to get connected here and make sure you're part of a life-giving church. So now let's just finish by this. I want to just give this opportunity for those of us who know that we need God's power to clothe ourselves with humility, to live in humility. This is an opportunity to do that. This is where my hand would go up because I know I need God's help to do this. So if, if that's you, if you recognize you need God's help, you need God's power to live this life of humility and to clothe yourself with humility, would you just raise a hand now? There's no shame or guilt in this place. See, hands up all over the place, because this is something that is real for each and every one of us. So, Father, I want to say thank you for your word and for your promises in your word. And, God, we want to be changed and transformed by your power. We know that we need your power to live this life that you've called us to, and we want our lives to honor you, God. We want to love one another as you've loved us. We want to follow your example of living lives of humility, but we need your help, God. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us right now with your power? Come and help us, God. Teach us to clothe ourselves with humility. Teach us what it means to be gentle and humble in heart. Help us in each and every moment to be completely humble, to choose pride, to choose people over pride, to value others above ourselves, to put others' interests before our own God. Would you come and change us from the inside out and help us to live a better way, truly loving one another and living to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.